we continue our state of the franchise series by looking at the Edmonton Oilers, why it's cover bust for them as long as McDavid and Dreisaitl are on the team. And this is the year that they can finally do it. So all that and more on today's episode of Locked on Sharks. Your Locked on Sharks, your daily podcast on the San Jose Sharks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome to Locked On Sharks, the premier hockey podcast covering your favorite team in the Bay Area. My name is J.D. Young, contributor at Inside the Rink, and I want to thank you for making Locked On Sharks your first listen. Proudly a part of the Locked On Network, we cover your team every day. Um, and if you want to be an everyday, all you got to do is just follow along wherever you get podcasts, and of course, you can watch on YouTube as well. Uh, Tyler Yamachek of the Daily Faceoff um, and Oilers Nation joins where we discuss the state of the Oilers, and if He's starting to worry if McDavid and Dreisaitl are starting to become the this generation's Thornton and Marlowe and why the Oilers could be a p- potential one seed um, in the Pacific and what they need to do to get there. So, um, yeah, let's get into the Oilers. And now we bring in Tyler Uremchuk of the Daily Faceoff and Oilers Nation. How's it going, buddy? It is good. It is a uh, it's a hot day in uh, in Edmonton today, but the summer's been good. And for a guy who covers the Oilers, the summer's been kind of boring. And I don't I don't mind that. I don't mind a little summer off. Yeah, I mean, it always seems like there's uh, at least some sort of drama in Edmonton. It wouldn't be yeah. Edmonton hockey without some sort of drama. So uh, Tyler's going to come on. We're going to do the state of the franchise of the Edmonton Oilers, and I think we have to start with that. Give me. The state of the Edmonton Oilers franchise is it cup or bust um, for the third straight year? Yeah, it is. It's kind of <laughs> rinse and repeat in terms of the offseason talk here in Edmonton. The the term state of the franchise, though, it's actually the state of the team's kind of changed a lot. I know I joked that it's been a quiet summer, but they made some news a couple of weeks ago hiring Jeff Jackson to come in and be their new president, Bob Nicholson kind of moved on i know they were like ah he's going to a new role and it's like ah it feels like you pushed him out the door but whatever (laughs) Uh, but jeff jackson Connor mcdavid's now former agent is running the oilers and it feels like a bit of a breath of fresh air when you consider who's been running this team for the last little bit here so um the state of the oilers is a lot different than it was a couple of weeks ago when you talk about who's running this team and the direction that they may take things in the next couple of years but in terms of the hockey team and the on ice product it's absolutely cup or bust. Um, so, of course, with, with the Oilers, right, it's as long as you have Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl, this team is going to be a very good team. Um, and, I mean, have have they kind of done enough to build around around these two players? I mean, you know you know exactly what you're getting, McDavid, the best player in the world. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl would be the best player on basically any other team yeah. um, except for Edmonton. But have they done enough to kind of solve the issues that have, have kind of plagued them? I, I, I'm somewhere in the middle. Like, it's not quite a yes, but it's not quite a no either. Like, when you look at what they were facing coming into the offseason, they had to find a way to create cap space, as did pretty much every other competitive team in the mm-hmm. NHL. And they had to balance creating cap space with finding a way to make the team better, right? So, you take a look. They move out Kyler Yamamoto. They move out or they let go of Clean Costin in the deal as well. They free up three point whatever million dollars. 
And then they go sign Connor Brown for what, at least for this season, is basically a league minimum deal. His bonuses won't kick in until the following year. So when you consider kind of the line Ken Holland had to walk of, I don't have any money, but I want to make this team better, swapping Kyler Yamamoto for Connor Brown is actually a pretty solid move. And the other thing that I like about what Holland's been able to do this offseason, he may not have done all of his improving right now, but I think he's given himself a chance and an opportunity when the trade deadline comes closer to assess what this team's needs are and go make a big splash then. You look at the picks they have next year in the draft. They have their first and second rounder. They have their first mm-hmm. rounder in 2025 and 2026 as well. He's got draft capital and they're not operating in LTIR. So making a move at the deadline is something Ken Holland's going to be fully capable of doing. All right. What do you think was the biggest storyline for the this team heading into the offseason? And has it been resolved? I, I think the biggest storyline was honestly their cap picture. And he yeah. resolved it on day two of the draft, flipping Kyler Yamamoto to the Detroit Red Wings, who then bought him out in sort of a weird little bit of circumstances yeah. there. Um, but getting rid of Yamamoto and then replacing Yamamoto, or I like to think upgrading Yamamoto and signing Connor Brown, like to make that swap. And again, on next year's cap, it's only, or you're saving $2.3 million basically. That's a yeah. really nice piece of business. So the cap situation was the number one story. Has it been resolved? I mean, they're under the cap right now, so I would say yes. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, looking on cap friendly. And, like, yeah. you kind of, like, keep scrolling down, and I was kind of surprised to see that they have that much type of space going into this season, especially when you're paying Connor McDavid so much. And uh, I know Dreisaitl is is not one of the, the league's highest-paid players, but he's, you know, still getting paid $8.5 million this year. And then, you know, Darnell Nurse and his $9 million deal. Like, they have plenty of big-name contracts, but it's kind of surprising to see they do have a fair amount of cap space going into the season that gives them that flexibility. So if they want to go big game hunting during the season for that last player, um, they can 1,000% do that, right? Yeah, um, it it is a little deceptive just because Evan Bouchard isn't signed yet. And when you look at the deals that Bowen Byram got, Keandre Miller, those guys were like both around 3.8 million. Bouchard's probably getting 3.8 million. So it means the Oilers are going to have to probably run with just 12 forwards on the roster next year. But still, like for a team like the Oilers, and you just mentioned a handful of the high end contracts they have, for a Mm -hmm. team like the Oilers to go into next season with Potentially four or five hundred thousand dollars in cap space. I know it might not seem like a lot right now in August. It builds, yes. <laughs> it builds in the season. You can get guys retained. You can move out a contract at the deadline. Like last year in LTIR, the last few years since Oscar Clefbaum's been hurt, operating in LTIR really hurt their ability to make in-season moves. They're not going to have that problem this year. All right. Uh, a question that kind of came up to me. I know McDavid and Drysaddle still very young, but. Are you starting to potentially worry that they might be this generation's Thornton and Marlowe, where it's like great players, but they can never get it done just because of other stuff that goes around? You know, again, McDavid better than Joe Thornton, Dry Settle better than Marlowe, uh, but it's starting to get that feeling just a little bit. Yeah, I think so. I mean, come on, these guys are now getting into their late 20s, and I, I think that's a really good comparison, but I also think, and I mean, Sharks fans would have lived this. It just goes to show how hard it is to win, right? Like at the end yep. of the year, only one team gets to lift the trophy. But let's be honest, there are there's more than one team every year who sits there and goes, hey, we had a good season. Like we had a good yep. run. That was solid. So I, I think sometimes just measuring the success of McDavid and Dreisaitl in cups and rings alone is kind of a little bit foolish because, again, like Thornton and Marlowe, and it wasn't those guys' fault that those Sharks teams weren't winning, right? There was a bunch of other things. You can play really well in a best-of-seven series and – 
hit a couple of goalposts in a game six and boom, you lose the series, right? Like the margin for error in the playoffs is, is razor thin. And I think we've seen that with the Oilers again, like they McDavid and Drysaddle did their part in the playoffs. I think a lot of players did their part in the playoffs, but a couple of games where the goaltending didn't hold up a couple of untimely defensive breakdowns. And that kind of costed you the entire series against Vegas. And if you would have moved on there, I mean, Golden Knights won the cup, right? If Edmonton beats Vegas, you never know. Last year, they lost to the cup champs again. So, you know, it's cup or bust every year. It will continue to be cup or bust until McDavid and Dreisaitl are 36 and 37. Um, and that's just kind of the mindset here. It's, it's can this organization keep surrounding them with just a little bit more every year, give them a little bit more help. And I think you just kind of got to believe that eventually things will break the way of the best player the NHL seen in however many years. All right, before uh, we continue kind of uh, dig into their draft, uh, do, you know, one one question. So I know we we saw with last year, there was a lot of rumors with the Oilers being a potential Eric Carlson landing spot. Of course, yeah. we know Eric Carlson went to the Penguins. Um, do you feel good about their defense? And I think that's still, that's going to be one of the big questions, right? I mean, you know, Evan Bouchard's an up-and-coming star. Um, they acquired Matthias Ekholm last year from the Preds, like, is, is it enough? <laughs> it's not enough, but okay. it's good enough, if that makes any sense. Like, it, this blue line, as constructed, got them to the playoffs last year. And that was only having Matthias Ekholm for three months. So this blue line, as constructed, it's good enough to get them to the playoffs again this year. And that's why I yeah. think Ken Holland can afford to play the waiting game until the deadline, right? Is this blue line, as constructed, good enough to win a Stanley Cup? Probably not. They need help on the right side. I don't think you can run Darnell Nurse and Cody Cece out there into the playoffs again next year. Again, good enough to get you to the playoffs. It's not good enough to be a strength that's going to help you win series. You will always be winning in spite of this blue line. But they went out and made a big splash for Matias Ekholm last year. Having yes. him around for this full season, it's going to be incredibly helpful because it makes Evan Bouchard better. It makes the workload on Cece and Nurse a lot less. Like There's a lot of reasons why. But I would not be surprised if come mid-February, we're talking about the Oilers going out, looking for a big-name right-shot D-man, similar to what they did last year, getting a left shot in Eckholm. All right, guys, before we continue with Tyler, we start looking at their offseason, the Oilers offseason, uh, look at their draft, why I love, love, love the Bo Aiki pick um, by the Oilers and why he could be contributing to them sooner than you expect. Um, before we get into all that, do need to take a quick break. Talk to you guys about our good friends over at FanDuel. And if you want to get in on the action with football season getting started, FanDuel is the way to go. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. So, um, again, if you think the Niners, this is the year for the Niners to do it, um, you bet on the Niners to win the Super Bowl, you're going to get bonus bets every time they win. You can use those bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. You know, maybe you want to keep betting on Christian McCaffrey to score touchdowns because Christian McCaffrey scores a bunch of touchdowns. Um, maybe you want to, you know, over-under on catches for Debo Samuel. Whatever you want to use the those bonus bets on, you can do it. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Let's go through the, the draft. Of course, the Oilers didn't have much. Uh, they had three picks, um, but um, their, their first pick of the second or in the second round, uh, a guy I really enjoyed, Bo Akey, who I think is going to be one of those players where a couple of years from now, we're like, how did he fall this late to the second round? So um, give me your, your I get a quick rundown on the draft. I know, again, it's it's a very light draft for the Oilers with three picks, getting Bo Akey, uh, goalie, 
Nathaniel Day, and then Matt Capanini. Um, so, but I mean, Bo Aiki, you, you, you think he's going to fit a, a need for them at some point? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mentioned the blue line, right? You look at the right side right now, Cody CCK. He's not a long-term fixture there. Evan Bouchard is, but you yes. want a piece to kind of compliment him. Vinny DeHarnay, solid defenseman, yes. but he's never going to be more than the third pairing guy. So going and taking a shot on something you'll probably need in two years when Cody CC's gone or whatever, and Bo Aiki is really, really smart. Offensively, good numbers. You're hoping he can grow a little bit with his defensive game. I really like that pick. It felt like the Oilers drafted for need in a couple of slots there when you mm-hmm. consider Bo Aiki and then even Capilani they took in the seventh round, if I'm saying his name right. like He's a 20-year-old. He was passed over twice, I think, in the NHL draft. So you go out and get guys who are a little bit closer to contributing to your lineup. The other thing they did around the draft is they went out and they traded their fifth rounder for Jaden Gruby uh, from the New York Rangers. He's a guy who captained the Red Deer Rebels in the last season, had a really strong year, was over a point per game in the WHL. 20 years old, right shot centerman. You look at their depth chart right now, that fourth line center spot is wide open, and with three left shot centers in front of a, in front yep. of that slot, you needed a right shot center. So they go out and instead of just taking a flyer on a prospect in the fifth round, they go sign Gruby. And he's a guy who could maybe not contribute right off the bat this year. Maybe halfway through the year, he earns a call-up. So I think this draft really showed that, again, the Oilers' focus is solely on right now and making this year's team and next year's team as good as possible. That, that makes sense. Again, when you're in a couple bus mode, uh, as the Sharks fans were for a long time, um, you're worried about the now and the, you'll you'll worry about future. You know, future you will worry about uh, the future and of course, Sharks fans are now paying for that feud that paying the bill now. But yeah, it makes sense. You have dry, you have McDavid, and you do everything you possibly can right now to put the best possible team. And uh Bo Aiki, uh, like I said, I, I've you know, I really liked him. You see his numbers before uh Brent Clark came back, and then they were well on his way to being a potential first round pick. Of yeah. course, Brent Clark comes back, Brent Clark's amazing, um, and he's gonna lose some opportunities. So I think we're gonna see Aki have a monster season with uh, Barry Coles this year and just uh yeah, be again one of those guys who are like, how did he fall to the Oilers here at, at this point? So um I know you mentioned free agency was pretty quiet for the Oilers, but uh what do you think was their best signing uh during free agency? It was definitely Connor Brown. Again, getting him at a cap of 775k this year. You're going to have to pay a $3.25 million bonus next summer once he plays 10 games, I think, like the easiest bonus ever to get. (laughs) Um, So Connor Brown was the best. I I don't hate the pickup of Lane Peterson, a depth forward, but I... I Jark's legend. Yeah, there you go. I... They keep calling him a centerman. He like, did he play center for the Sharks? Like, I have, I talked to some Canucks people, and they were like, he was a winger. We don't think he's a center. I, they keep saying he's going to be their four C next year. I'm not buying it. They were pretty quiet outside of that though in free agency. I think we'll see some P, some more PTOs. Brandon Sutter's been signed to a PTO. Rumblings about like a Sam Gagne. So I think they're just going to try bring in a bunch of potential fourth line centers and like throw a bunch of stuff at the wall, see what sticks. Yeah, with Lane Peterson, uh, I think he did play a little bit of center for the Sharks. So I remember uh, he was on the power play too at some point because the Sharks power play is uh, not very good. Um, but yeah, he, he's definitely one of those AHL, NHL tweener guys who can, yeah. if you need him to kind of pop up for a couple games, he can hold down the fort, but he's probably like a little too good for the AHL right now. So uh, yeah, he, he's a, that classic tweener guy right now. But yeah, I... I would be interesting to see him playing center. I think he's probably better suited for the wing, uh, but what do I know? So um, the biggest 
remaining question for the Oilers heading as we training camp is starts to roll around? Biggest question. I, there's a part of me that, that I don't know if it's a question, but I'm interested to see the situation between the pipes. I think a lot of people are sitting there going Stuart Skinner's crease, rightfully so all-star last year, but I'm intrigued by the possibility of a Jack Campbell bounce back. Is that maybe that's not the biggest question? I'll say it's what happens on the third pairing on the blue line, like Nurse mm-hmm. and CC locked in, Ekholm Bouchard locked in, Kulak locked in. What's going to happen on that right side? Philip Broberg, the tenth overall or ninth overall pick from a couple of years ago, like it's kind of bleep or get off the pot time when it comes yep. to Broberg. Like either he makes the NHL roster and sticks this year, or you trade him at the deadline as a part of a package to get a better defenseman for the right side. Like in the, in his draft plus whatever, two, three season, there's no more of this. Well, he just needs 20 minutes a night in the American league. Like, no, you're either an NHL defenseman or you're not. So the competition between him and DeHarnay will be interesting to me. And if Broberg can push, prove that he can play the right side, Ken Holland's a believer in Broberg's ability to play the right side. Um, If he can push and take that spot and maybe even like have a bit of a breakout season, like this Oilers blue line suddenly is deeper than I'm expecting it to be, but it hinges on Broberg. So I'll say he's one of the bigger questions. I mean, you brought up the goalies, and I think that's a big, uh, uh, one of the big talking points, right, with, with the Oilers, right? Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you had Stuart Skinner, who had an amazing season last year. Jack Campbell was brought in to kind of solve the goalie issues. And of course, he did not have a great season. So um, is this going to, I mean, what do you think kind of plays out here? Is this going to be more of a 50 50? Do you think it's going to be, you know, 60 40 Skinner? Like, how do you think this kind of shakes out? The likeliest scenario is 60-40 Skinner. You look at last year, he started 48 games. So, I mean, quick math, 34 starts for a guy like Jack Campbell. I actually wouldn't be surprised if that number, if that gap's a little bit tighter. Maybe it's a situation where, you know, Skinner plays 44-45 and Campbell handles, you know, 37 or something like that. I think a bounce back from Campbell will happen to some extent. Will it be enough to become the number one goalie again at some point? I doubt it. But I think yeah. he'll be a good backup for them. I think, yeah, the gap will be closer, but in all likelihood, it's going to be Skinner's crease. Um, do you think Skinner last year, do you think he just ran out of gas at the playoffs? Or like, what do you think happened in the playoffs? I think that's exactly what happened, man. Mm-hmm. Like, you just kind of take a look. And he had never played that much hockey before. And it was yeah. probably foolish to expect him to continue playing that much hockey. And I do think one of the big mistakes last year in their playoff run was that Jay Woodcroft was really hesitant to give Jack Campbell a start. And I don't get it. I wanted Campbell to start that sixth game against the Vegas Golden Knights. I kind of wanted him to start the fifth game against the Vegas Golden Knights because it was apparent Stu was gassed. He'd given you a couple of good starts in each series, but a few were like not, I wouldn't even call them weak goals, but they were like stoppable pucks. We're like, okay, if Skinner's at the top of his game and he's feeling himself, he stops those pucks. But you know, it was like, just up over his glove can't get the glove up quick enough all those things so i feel like they should have gone to campbell at some point in the playoffs because it was apparent skinner was out of gas i wasn't alone in that in terms of the media and the fan base but jay woodcroft felt the other way campbell was like i'm looking at his playoff numbers right now like last season in the playoffs he had a 961 goals again or save percentage that is like remarkable i did <laughs> you look at that and you're like why were you not playing him yeah. 
uh, yeah, Jack Campbell. Just you maybe just put him in in, in bubble wrap until the playoffs, and you just pull him out, uh, you and yeah. for the playoffs, and that's it. So Stewart Skinner, he'll run you through the regular season. Jack Campbell, playoff specialist goalie. That's what the world needs. <laughs> he was uh, he was really good with the Leafs too. Like his career playoff numbers, like he's got a nine twenty yeah. save percentage in eighteen career playoff games. Like that's really damn good. He was good that one. Uh, the year they lost in seven to the Lightning. One of the years the Leafs lost in seven to the Lightning. <laughs> That's every year. But <laughs> yeah. Um, but w- one of those years, like I remember he stole a game either in game five or six to like keep them yeah. alive. And then in game seven, he only gave up like one or two goals. Like he's a good playoff goalie. Maybe we're on to something here. Yeah, it's I mean in baseball, right? You have the 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 starter or you have like the the you know bullpen days or whatever, you have like the opening pitcher, and then they go, That's maybe we're going That's next good. level here with this. So yeah. um All right, guys, before we continue with Tyler, I uh, do want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Sharks your first listen. Again, proudly a part of the Lockdown Network. We cover your team every day. And if you want to be an everyday, all you got to just follow along wherever you get podcasts or you can watch on YouTube. Um, if you missed it this week, I talked about um, if the Sharks are going to be better or worse than they were last uh, season. Um, so you can go check out that episode from Wednesday. And then next week, we'll continue our state of the franchise, uh, maybe with a Northeastern or Northwestern team um, that's still new to the league. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Plus, uh, plenty of other good stuff coming on. So make sure you guys are following wherever you get podcasts. And of course, you can watch on YouTube as well. All right. So what do you think is the best case and worst case for the Edmonton Oilers in the 23-24 season? Well, let's start with best case, I guess. Um, Jack Campbell bounces back as like a 9-10 save percentage goalie. Stuart Skinner's a 9-15 save percentage goalie. That right there gives the Oilers a massive leg up from what they got last season. And the offense does their thing, right? Like we kind mm-hmm. of expect the Oilers to, again, be one of the higher scoring teams in the league. So if they get better goaltending and the offense and the power play are the same as last year, we're looking at a team who I think can hit 110 to 115 points in the regular season. Like if everyone stays healthy in the lineup, all of those like natural givens and yep. just the goaltending Campbell improves Skinner stays the same. We're talking about a team that I think will win the Western conference. The worst case scenario is Campbell is the same Campbell. Skinner has a bit of like a sophomore slump and a bit of a regression again, after playing so much hockey last season. And then the other thing, like if Oilers, when Oilers fans see this, they might hate me for bringing it up, but They've been very fortunate that Connor and Leon have stayed healthy for the last number of years, right? Neither of them have had a major injury in quite some time. They missed a few games here and there, but nothing long-term. Man, if something like that happens, it's, uh, it'll be, there'll be some collars tightening and some executive sweating around the Edmonton Oilers because that could be bad. So that's probably worst case scenario. It's bad health and bad goaltending. Best case scenario is good goaltending and the best offense in the NHL leads them to being the number one seed in the West. And then, I mean, this team, if that happens, if everything goes well, this team is a legitimate cup threat, right? Yeah, without a doubt. And, I mean, hey, I talked about the injury thing. Like, maybe you can get a Tampa Bay Lightning situation going, you know? Maybe you have some (laughs) middle-of-the-lineup player, like one of those $5 million guys who magically goes down in February, and they know we won't be back till round one of the playoffs. You can spend that money and kind of become a bit more of a juggernaut. But, like, I think the Oilers as constructed – can win a Stanley Cup. I know the betting odds have them right up there near the top as well. Um, but they can win a Stanley Cup as currently constructed. They they need a little bit more support for me to be like they are the team to beat in the NHL or in the West. Like they're not quite there yet, but they're real close. With McDavid, like, I mean, 
he went insane last year with 150 whatever points he ended up with. Like, there's a limit, right? Like, we can't expect McDavid to just keep doing like that every year, right? Like, I, 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 he has to. I don't want to say plateau, but like, you can't just like be like, oh yeah, McDavid just pencil him in for 150 points every year, right? I I think you can, man. Like, <laughs> I, like I, I I watch him game in and game out, and like. He just makes it look like way too easy some nights. And again, the power play is going to be the same as it was last year. When you give the Oilers a penalty, you're basically taking a 50-50 chance that they're burning you and finding the back of the net. I know the percentage was like in the 30s, but you get what I'm saying. Like, I, I the scenario's the same. Like, I see no reason why he can't do it. And like, this is a McDavid as well that. Dude, he had 156 points and he kind of got cold down the stretch towards the end of the year. Like he did, wasn't scoring as many goals. He only scored twice in his final six games. Like, I don't know. I, I think, I think 160 is not out of the question. Some people might laugh and be like, shut up Oilers fan. But like, <laughs> he's just so damn good. It's ridiculous. Is Connor McDavid slumping on today's episode of Locked On Shire? <laughs> well, like, man, we'd be sitting doing pregame shows last year and we'd be like, Hey, McDavid like hasn't had like a McDavid night in a while. Like he's been kind of quiet. And I just did that being like, oh, at the end of the year, he was kind of slumping. He ended the year on like a 15 game point streak or something like that. So <laughs> when he gets one point or he rattles off like it's a five game, yeah, five, it's a five game stretch where he has like eight points, you're kind of like, whoo, he hasn't been that dangerous. Hey, like look out, he might go off right away. Like it's insane. Yeah, I mean that was Eric Carlson too last year yeah. at points where it was just like. Oh yeah, yeah. Eric Carlson, he only has, you know, two, you know, two assists in the last like three games or something like that. And it's like, yeah, yeah he's still just absolutely <laughs> insane. Then he, yeah, then he pulls out a 4.9 or a 5.9. You're like, oh yeah, he's still really good at hockey. Yeah, so exactly. um, RIP Eric Carlson. All right. Who is the most important non-McDavid player? Because of course, Connor McDavid is the best player uh in the world right now. Who do you think is the most important player for the Oilers? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, you know, I'll, I'll give a bit of an off the board one here, off the board to an extent. Darnell Nurse, uh, you know, the cap hit gets talked about a lot in uh, in this market, way more than I would like it to. I think he's a good defenseman. I think he is a quality number two, number three D man. He's not a number one. He's getting paid like a number one. He's shown flashes of looking like a number one, though. Mm-hmm. If he can piece it together in his age twenty eight season and become like an actual legit number one for this team. That blue line, again, looks a lot different, right? If you can trust Darnell Nurse with 26 minutes, night in, night out, and know you're getting reliable play in your own end and puck transportation up the ice and all those important things, if he takes a step forward from what he was last year, again, he wasn't terrible last year, but he had some rough stretches, then all of a sudden, it's like other teams got to look at you and go, okay, we got to deal with that guy for 26 minutes a night, and then Ekholm comes in for another 22, and it's all of a sudden the other team's best players aren't going to have a lot of room to breathe. So I'll actually say it's Darnell Nurse having a uh, a bit of a step-up season could could be really, really big for this team. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, uh, and if you want to talk about overpaid defenseman, you're in the right place. <laughs> so Mark Everflastic, uh standing there all alone, the last man left of overpaid defensemen. So um, who's the most important either rookie or young player for this team? I will go. I gave Broberg kind of a shout out earlier, but I'm actually going to say it's Dylan Holloway this year. I think it's a really interesting spot. Holloway was a guy who had a great preseason last year, and it just never really translated into regular season success. Like his first shift in the regular season, he threw a pizza up the middle and the Canucks scored first goal against for the Oilers (laughs) on the year. Like he just never got his jump and his momentum 
if Dylan Holloway takes a step and becomes a top nine, top six guy who can get you 20 plus goals, then I think this forward group just gets that much more deeper and that much more dynamic. And then you get to a point at the deadline where maybe you're like, okay, we can trade Warren Fogle. There's 2.75 million. Our options are more open with who we can acquire. So um, I was like Dylan Holloway. He's he's not a rookie anymore because he played too many games last year, but a young, unproven player who, who could really impact this team in a big way. All right, Tyler, last question. Where do the Oilers finish in the Pacific this year? I I have a hard time not saying number one. And again, I try not to be too much of a homer, but you look at last season and you look at the Vegas Golden Knights. The Golden Knights had a lot of stuff go right for them throughout the year until the mm-hmm. end when the Mark Stone injury hit. The Oilers had 109 points. We're only two points back of the Golden Knights. But they had a lot of stuff go wrong. Evander Kane missed basically half the season. Darnell Nurse struggled. They didn't have Ekholm for the whole year because that was a trade that happened later. And Jack Campbell was terrible for basically the first 65 games of the season. There was a lot that went wrong. They were a 109-point team. Vegas had a lot go right. They were a 111-point team. I think that gap can be closed. I think a lot of people are saying, oh, look at the LA Kings. Pierre-Luc Dubois, right? They didn't need Pierre-Luc Dubois, and I don't think they needed to sacrifice their entire third line to get Pierre-Luc Dubois and then tie up all that money and go into the season with Cam Talbot and Phoenix Copley as their two goalies. I just, I, I don't think that'll be enough to swing with uh, with the Golden Knights and the Oilers. So I have Edmonton 1, then I have Vegas 2, LA 3. Gotcha. How do you have the rest of the Pacific shaking out? I mean, are, are Locked On Sharks fans going to hate me if I'm just... Oh, no, throwing... we want to be the worst team. Yeah, I, am, okay. I am full on, choo-choo, bring on that chance. Thanks, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, I Again, there's a clear top tier with yep. Edmonton, Vegas, and LA. There is a clear bottom tier, in my opinion, with Anaheim and San Jose. And then there's like this weird, mushy middle where it's the Shark... Or, sorry, the, the Flames. The middle, the worst place to be in the NHL. Yeah, <laughs> like the Flames. What are they doing? They were supposed to trade everybody this offseason. They traded they like basically not. nobody... And yeah. now they have a bunch of guys on expiring contracts. The Kraken did not get better this offseason. I think they got a little bit lucky at points last year. Vancouver, I mean, Who you knows? look at a team and you go, holy, <laughs> like, holy shit, Pedersen, Hughes, Demko, that's a good hockey team. But, I mean, the culture there is just, it's ridiculous. So those three, like, would not surprise me if any one of those three made the playoffs, but I actually yeah. don't have any of them as playoff teams right now. Makes sense, yeah. And I, I think the Sharks are going to be the worst team in the Pacific and probably one of the three worst teams in the NHL. Yeah. So can't wait for that draft. So Tyler, you said it all. Where can the people find you, buddy? Uh, on Twitter, at Tyler Uramchuk, and all my video content goes up. The Daily Faceoff YouTube, if you're looking for some good stuff from our NHL insider, Frank Saravalli, during the season, subscribe to the Daily Faceoff channel on YouTube. And if, for whatever reason, Sharks fans want to keep up with the Oilers, OilersNation.com on YouTube. All right. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, man. All right, guys, hope you enjoyed my conversation with Tyler. Uh, yeah, I think the Oilers, as long as McDavid and Dreisaitl are on the team, it's very much like Thornton and Marlowe. Um, you do everything you can to try to win a cup with them. And I think it's just going to be a matter of time if, if, like you said, if the goaltending breaks. That's, I think, the big question for the Oilers is can the goaltending hold up this year? Um, you know, Stuart Skinner was on as well. It had been a star last year. Ran out of gas, right? And if Jack Campbell can bounce back into any sort of form, um, you're you're looking at a team that's going to be very, very good in the regular season. And it's kind of like the Sharks were for a very long time, where the regular season doesn't matter. It's what can they do in the playoffs? And um, so, 
be very interesting to see see this team going forward and what they can do to try to kind of continue to build around McDavid and Dreisaitl. Um, so that's going to be it for me today. I'll be back next week. Um, I think we're going to have maybe a little we'll have some guests, hopefully getting lined up or working on. Um, so make sure you guys are following along for that. You can, of course, follow the show wherever you get podcasts and you can watch on YouTube as well. Um, you can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and threads at Locked on Sharks. Follow me on Twitter and threads at my fry hole. And until next week, bye friends.